welcome to the Course of Action podcast with me, Jeff Clark. My guest today is Eric Hort, U.S. Army veteran, growth strategist, and director of veteran services for the state of Tennessee. He's a military transition specialist focused on helping other members make that transition. There's no arguing that he's on top of his game and he's taking the volunteer state with him. Let's get started. Here's Eric Horton. All right, guys, here I'm here with Eric Horton. Eric, man, I know we talked a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking publishing a couple weeks ago, and I totally forgot to congratulate you on this new position that we're going to talk about here. But congratulations on making it to uh, and getting offered, really, the Director of Veteran Services for the State of Tennessee. That's so awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, man. It was a, it was a, it was it, it was actually a culmination of hard work, but passion. It was it was it was very well noticed. So awesome, yeah. And we're going to talk uh, here in a little bit how you got there and some of the things that helped you along the way, and, and kind of the funny story about how it was offered to you and, and your thoughts on that. But uh, first, you were U.S. Army for like nine years, right? No, twenty six years, seven months, and twenty nine days. Years? I don't know where I got nine from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a long time. So over 26 years, um, you left the service, retired, Yep. um, and you transitioned. And let's talk about how that went. How did the transition go for you? Well, you know, and and that's a good question. And that's something that people always kind of have a misunderstanding about. So while I was in the service, I always had a good mentor along the way that said, hey, man, uh, when I first joined the military, it was actually for an eight-year enlistment. It was actually six years active duty, two years IRR um, as an 11 Bravo. And I had a good platoon sergeant that actually had put his arm around me like about 95, which is around February, January of 95. And he said, Eric, you see the guy at that gate right there? Like, that's all that this job will, you know, as an infantry guy, that's all we can do when we retire. And he's mm-hmm. like, you need to go do something better than that, right? And so, you know, the seed was kind of planted. It was like, man, I need to have something, you know, what does that look like? Right. And so the more conversations that I had with him, he was always saying things like you need to have a transferable skill for when you get out of the military. Like that's not going to be that. Um, and logistics at the time, you know, fit the bill. And he was like, yeah, that's a great, great idea. You know, so and I became a logistician. Right. And so the whole, you know, at that six year mark, then it was I was focused on getting the degrees, getting the certifications because I knew you know, and then I had an uncle also that used to say, hey, Eric, you know, um, you know, boots and BDUs are going to come off one day. Right. And he's like, you need to be prepared for what happens when it, when it, they come off. And so he was telling me like the same thing that my platoon started said, which was get everything that you can, because when it's over, like you need to have an, another big landing pad. Right. So retirement, fast forward. Right. Right. So retirement, fast forward. Right. Um, I've checked all the blocks, the degrees, this is an easy part of the process, right? I, I'd saved up 138 days of terminal leave, uh, and I wanted to double dip at that whole time. Right. So retirement ceremony was May 26th. Um, and I literally retirement ceremony was May 26th. Um, and I literally, and a matter of fact, at the retirement ceremony, um, they, they had called and, and they'd actually held the job for right, which is kind of rare, about 40 plus days um, through the Hiring Our Heroes. I was actually a first graduate of the Hiring Our Heroes in Fort Campbell. And and they held the job for that long. And they said, hey, Eric, can you start uh, tomorrow? We really want to kind of get you in. Without even batting an eye, I said yes. Right. And I looked at the end of the row and my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, 
we've got family friends that are here. It's your, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend of all things. And you said you'd go to work on Saturday. Like, um, but it's that, that military piece, right? Like they call you run. Right. And yeah. so I called him back. I'm, I'm literally still in my uniform, class A's at the, at the theater retirement ceremony. And I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I've got to go ahead and can I, can I start on Monday? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Um, and so jumping into the workforce was easy. I, I had j- multiple job offers waiting right there at the, at the, at the gate. Right. And right. it was seamless. There was no stress. I had jobs waiting. I, I didn't have to do the interview rigmarole and the application processes that normally 90% of everybody else had to take place. But it started unraveling when I started the job, right? So I jumped right on in, didn't take any vacation time, you know, didn't try to unpack anything with family, myself, uh, kids. You know, uh, I have 11-year-old now and a and a 7-year-old, so I didn't unpack any of that. It was just leave military, go to work, Right. Um, and, and that's when really about six months into it, I started seeing things that started kind of coming to fruition that, that I was unraveling at the seams and transition. And, and I've been a very big proponent of this, like nine day, nine months into that role, I was like really fast coming apart at the seams. Uh, and it was not just coming apart at the job place. It was also at home because my wife's seen that I'm up in the morning at, you know, four 30 in the morning. I'm trying to still work out uh, and I'm not coming home until 830 at night, you know, so I'm not even seeing my family. It was worse than a deployment. I'm living in the same household and about nine months, then all of a sudden my wife's starting to tell me to quit work, right? Like quit. And so I was sitting there thinking and started to kind of dig a deeper, you know, hole because mentally I was saying, man, my wife doesn't even have faith in me anymore. Um, And so she's telling me to quit. Uh, so I was like, man, I have been everywhere. I have never quit when it's cold, never quit when it's hot. Like, I don't care how tired I am. Like, I just never quit. And here my own wife is telling me to quit. And she wasn't doing it in a, in a way that was, uh, you know, very, you know, kind of condescending. She was just saying, hey, look, we don't need this. Like, you're retired from the Army. You're 100% from the VA. Like, we don't need the income. We'll figure it out. And, and it just kind of just kept getting worse and worse. And finally, after 14 months, I said, man, you can keep this. Like, it's not worth it. Um, so I called a colleague and I was like, Hey man, like I need to get closer to the flagpole colleague. And I was like, Hey man, like I need to get closer to the flagpole. It's like, uh, it's not what we thought it was going to be. Like I was prepared as anything. Um, but what I wasn't prepared for was what was going to take place personally. Um, and, and it just, kind of kind of became a point where a focal point of, at the 14 months I said hey that's it I'm gonna give you guys the point where a focal point of, at the 14 months I said hey, hey that's it I'm gonna give you guys damn but like what I just witnessed um you know and, and that wasn't just me like there was multiple military people that we were in the process of hiring and getting them on boarded and within 28 days in one case uh you know a command sergeant major at 30 years in the army uh throws his badge down and says he's quits you know and it, it's like Wow, that's a red light like I was not expecting, you know, managing 28 people, 29 people, and he throws his badge and says, I quit, I'm out of here. Uh, so it's like, wow, what are we missing, right? That's that's talent and leadership, and I'm talent and leadership, and we're not figuring this piece out. And that was yeah, at that moment. thriving. Absolutely. It's just in it, it. It was just something that I felt at that moment, like I needed to go talk to somebody. 
Um, and so I called a colleague. He said, hey, come take this rollover. Um, it was launching an Army Career Skills Program um, and ma managing a Department of Labor program at the time. Uh, and, it, and I fit right into it because now time uh, and, it, and I fit right into it because now out of Fort Campbell into an employment. So now I'm sitting on the other side of the fence trying to talk to guys that are retiring out about employment and challenges. And I was very big on LinkedIn at that moment, you know, doing the same thing, sharing the knowledge. And, and that's kind of how Transition Hacker kind of started to, you know, grow. Uh, was just purely based off of sharing that knowledge of what I really, honestly, what I did right that set me up from what should be success, but what I did wrong from what should be success, but what I did wrong from the personal aspect of not understanding a different part of that. Uh, you know, you can have, you can look good on paper. You can look good in person, but I think it's the mental, you know, adaptability and being ready. You know, because like in your situation, it was all good. I mean, you had the job offer. You went to work almost the next day. Like, what was the problem? The right. problem was you you were still Eric Horton, U.S. Army, you know, going into a corporate job within days. You know, when did Eric get to become, you know, the BDUs didn't really come off. You never had a chance to take them off and hang them up in the closet and then walk away from them. And And, and like when I transitioned, I kept one of my uh, blue shirts with my stripes on it in my closet and I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't hang, I couldn't put it in a box anywhere. I needed, I needed some familiarity every morning when I went to go get dressed, you know? Um, Cause normally in the morning I'd go get dressed and I'd put on camouflage or, or I'd be putting on a service dress or whatever I had to wear that day. Right. I didn't think about it. There's only two options, <laughs> you know? Um, so taking that away, it was almost scary. So I left it in there for years through two different moves. I left that shirt in the closet. So I saw it every day because I needed to slowly back away from it, you know, right. to a point where when we moved this last time, I said, okay, I know who I am now. I'm good with that being a part of my history. It's a part of my past. It defines who I am, but I'm good now. And a lot of people, like you said, they don't, they don't understand that. They don't think about that part. They don't think about letting go um, and all the things that we had to do. So many people say, oh, I got my 214. I'm done. I'm out. You know, uh, right. goodbye. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it in the review, you know, and and then they they get down the road and they go, well, oh, hold up. <laughs> you know, um, it's a it's a mixed bag of emotions and feelings, and um, I like that you started doing the transition hacker thing to start, you know, educating on that. I know you put things out there that I was like, I didn't even know that. Um, you've been doing this hustle for several years now, and a lot of opportunities came up. You've done the Music City stuff. Um, how did you get to Tennessee? You know, and that's another part of that transition story that not a lot of people talk about. Um, so we were we had, we were stationed at the University of Northern Iowa back in 2002 to 2006, and we fell in love with the area. And we bought a house in 08, and we were literally going to retire back there um, as soon as we got done. I had a great opportunity with John Deere, um, but and it was and I love it. We still have great friends that are in Iowa. 
Um, but when it come down to retire, literally six months before retirement, my wife kept on telling me, I don't think we need to go back. We need to stay here. Um, and, and it just, it was in passing conversation that really didn't resonate. Um, and and that's where I had a, you know, we had a good heartfelt conversation about, about 10 months ago and well, about a year ago, actually. And I, we had talked about that and I said, why did you change the trajectory when we retired? You know, why did you change it to here? And she kept, you know, trying to hint around it like we needed to stay here. And and she said, because it was the best thing for our daughters. And she said, there was more opportunity here. And then she said, you never asked me. You just said, we're going where the job is at. And so when I started saying, hey, uh, you know, we're going back to Iowa and you said no. And, and you kept fighting to stay here in Tennessee. You never really pled your case with it. And and so she said, all right. She's, yeah. So she said. We, I said, tell me what you were thinking about when I was retiring. And she said, you never asked me. She said, and she said, you never asked me. She said, told us where we were living. And I told you where we were living because I wanted to make sure the kids could have a potential to be going to a good school district, low crime, great housing and good, you know, morale, welfare, recreation, great housing and good, you know, morale, welfare, recreation. And so when we had daughters now, and so when we had daughters now, now she said, we needed to stay where it's best for us as a whole. She read the top 10 in the nation is in Tennessee, in Nashville. So she said, that's the best schools typically, not just world-class medical care for you and for us. And then she said, we need to live in this location, world-class medical care for you and for us. And then she said, we need to live in this location because it's got the best schools typically, not just Wow, like, why didn't I lean on her resource? I was so wrapped up in the job that was going to pay me the most money without understanding who I was as a person, but even leaning on her expertise of she literally had handled the whole logistics for the household for 20 years. And I was like, wow, that was a mistake. I didn't even see coming, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was how we even chose to stand. It was never even on the radar, but she had actually made a good case that it's the best thing for us because of these things. Uh, and, and that's what I've done a really good job the past, you know, really for a couple of years saying, wow, I had no idea that it's not just Tennessee is tax free. I had no idea my property taxes is three times cheaper here than it would be at any one of the Virginia, Florida, Texas, and Iowa for sure. Um, and then I was like, wow, that was a blessing in disguise because now that means my retirement paycheck goes further. Uh, and then it was like, holy crap, like uh, how much are we paying for electricity in this house? Same house, but I'm paying less than I would in Florida or Texas. Um, and it just kind of started to unpack all these different nuggets of that really made this place a great spot for veterans. And I've always said it, nobody's been talking about how good, you know, Tennessee is for veterans. And, and that was kind of what the role was created for me at the state was to tell Tennessee's story because it's been quiet for so long. I eventually started, um, I eventually started calling my wife boss. I said, I got to check with the boss because yeah. I needed that reminder 
of that because we're so used to going forward. Let's yeah. go forward. We're moving again. We're transitioning again. I was in a mind frame. Let's transition. Let's move. Let's get this set up. Let's take care of the family. There will be no, nobody will notice. The kids won't notice. Money won't stop. You know, healthcare won't stop. Food won't stop, et cetera, et cetera. Just going forward. And, um, you know, I eventually, and I just, I forgot how much I was kind of leaving Shannon out of the picture. Um, right. so to speak, you know, um, and I eventually just said, you know, I got to seek her counsel more often. I mean, I know what I'm doing, but, um, that's not the point. The point is we should be knowing what we are doing. And, um, and, and to your, you know, your point and your argument about it, you know, I started just calling her boss. I said, I got to check with the boss, you know, and then I go right. to her and sometimes I just go to her and be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And she's a like, perfect. Or she'd say, well, what if, or let me do some research on schools. And then we'll, we'll talk about, you know, where to buy a house. And there's just that collaboration that it wasn't absent before, but I think it was more of a, a, a going forward type of mentality. And it was just taking care of things and getting things done and surviving. And now when you're faced with not, you don't have that, you know, you have more options now, you know, um, we did the same thing and it was very similar. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you landed in Tennessee and, um, we moved back to Oklahoma where uh, as a hundred percent disabled, I can, I can write off my property tax. Yeah. So that's like $4,400 a year that I'm, I'm thankful that I don't have to pay anymore. Right. Um, so, uh, but Tennessee, obviously um, I've, I've seen so much about Tennessee in social media and in the news related to veterans affairs, veteran owned businesses, entrepreneurs, employment. Now you are the director of veteran services for the state of Tennessee. So first, what does, what does that mean? What does that title mean? Yeah. So that's a great question, right? So the main goal is it has two purposes, right? One is growing Tennessee's awareness in the veteran population. Uh, letting them know that Tennessee is here available um, and, and has a, a wealth of resources for retirees. Um, the other part of that is the main goal also was to fill workforce shortages uh, within Tennessee as well, which is, you know, talking to veterans in different states and say, hey, do you know that Tennessee has these jobs available? Um, you know, Ford recently, you know, made the largest investment since Ford's history um, since it's been created in Tennessee with a $5.2 billion or I'm sorry, $5.6 billion company that's going to build the Ford Lightning, right? So wow. that came. Then Amazon created, instead of doing their HQ2, they did their Amazon Center of Excellence. You know, that was around 12,000 jobs. That came. Um, then Oracle did, you know, almost a $1.8 billion investment with the new Oracle headquarters in Nashville. You know, that came. Then it's Everything else just kind of started flocking to Tennessee because the, you know, the, the business friendly climate that Governor Billy has put in place. So now the need is, is all these industries have moved into Tennessee. Um, now the biggest thing that they've always wanted to talk, they, they all want to hire veterans. Um, you know, you have three major military installations. You have Arnold Air Force Base in the east, Fort Campbell, 101st Airborne in the north or Midwest, you know, mid, northern middle. Then you have Millington Naval Base in the West right there in Memphis. So it makes sense to tap into that veteran pipeline to fill those skilled jobs that, that they need, obviously, for industry that's massively coming into Tennessee. Um, and in Montgomery County alone, you've got LG. You've got Google's third largest data center in the world is right in Clarksville. 
Um, and then you've got wow. Hankook. I mean, there's just the amount of industry that moved in has just been unbelievable. And they all say the same thing. We want to hire a veteran. Um, and so that also brings some challenges too, right? Like we don't know what we don't know yep. yet either. And so just because the company says, hey, we want to hire a veteran, I do the best that I can with trying to talk to my team and say, hey, we need to start talking to converse, having better conversations with companies and say, hey, it's not that they're on a shelf and we can just go grab 200. It just doesn't work that way. But it also means if you do hire them just because they're a veteran, do you know what you're getting into? Are you vet ready or vet prepared, so to speak? Yeah, yeah because there's a and – and baggage is a bad – way of saying it, but there's a lot of things that come with a veteran um, from, you know, like, like me and you and your story is a perfect example. You went right into the corporate world, but you weren't mentally ready to make a big transition and adjustment. Um, companies got to know and understand that um, and almost be okay. I would almost suggest to companies like you need to be okay with, um, you know, a six six month three year grace period, or even maybe maybe waiting to bring them on board for a couple of months, or have a program yes. that they can jump into, partner with the state, you know, or something. Because um, it's harder than we think; it just really is, and th that's that's super important. And it, there's a lot of things that come with uh, a veteran, anything, everywhere from physical and emotional and, and mental distress all the way up to physical and mental and emotional uh, disabilities and limitations. But that means that doesn't mean they're not hireable. It doesn't mean they can't work for you. That just means they're unique and how you can utilize them. The other part of that is how do you tap into that? Absolutely. You know, you can have a you can have a keg. You can tell somebody there's cold beer in it, and that all sounds good. How do you know how to tap it? Right. Do you know how to tap it so it's it, it actually is refreshing, and that's a whole another uh, side to it. So I'm glad to see Tennessee is doing that. Um, so now that now that all these corporations are here, you're obviously trying to get veterans placed in there, trying to, to link that uh, that bridge and, and kind of build that collaboration, but. Business is booming in Tennessee. I've seen Black Rifle Coffee move there and do a lot of big things. Yeah. What what all is going on in the veteran space in Tennessee, both you know, veterans affairs and big corporation wise? Yeah, so a lot of the big things that's taking place right now, the, the discussions are how do we change benefits in Tennessee to where it's not just for a hundred percent? Um, to where you know, what about the ninety percent? What about the fifty percent, right? Um, we could do more for veterans than than the standard, you know, what everybody does, right? That's one topic of the conversation. The other topic of the conversation is how do we as companies and corporations create affinity groups and ERGs to welcome those veterans so that, like you said, it's more like a bridge and a mentoring piece. We want to hire them, but how do we bridge their time period into knowing who they are and getting them into the workforce? Um, so those are a lot of the good discussions that are taking place and they've been taking place at a, at a very accelerated rate because of the, the understanding of what that timeline looks like for getting veterans into employment. Um, and they want to do it right too, right? Cause every time the veteran turns over, uh, that, that takes six to nine months worth of, you know, companies, uh, resources away. And so, um, and that they don't want to do that either, right? They're, they're in an urgent need of, you know, of getting things to products and, and things like that out there. So that's a very big part of the, as a veteran space as a whole right now, it's it's closing those gaps. 
And that was really one of the other reasons that we created, there was actually four of us that created LinkedIn Music City. Um, and that piece of it was because, believe it or not, the, uh, it was a brainchild of an incident that I actually was talking with an eight-year Navy veteran that felt out of place at a, at a university. Um, and my, my response was, well, did you go to the DAV or VFW or American Legion? And her response was, Eric, I go to that. I feel the youngest person there is, is my grandfather's age. So I don't even connect to them. So I'm like, wow, I got an eight more out of place. Absolutely. So the Navy veteran goes, I'm eight years in the Navy. I feel out of place, even in my own population. And I said, wow, we got to do something different to close this gap where nobody owns it. It's not a DAV VFW American Legion, but it's, it's getting veterans that are in the corporate sector all out at an event that we can do and getting veterans that are transitioning out and they all show up in the same spot and we just have a good time. And it's networking and bridging some of that mentoring gap that we need, but it's not making it so specific where it's a, a you know three, four generations older than that young veteran. It's also where we're trying to get mated up with a good veteran that's inside a corporate arena already and can say, hey, let me tell you what I did right and wrong. And it, that's another bigger message of what we're trying to do, which is closing that gap of, I don't know who I am yet. Well, how did you handle that? Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of taken off as a whole. Um, Aaron, Ted Hacker has been in the veteran space with transition for many years uh, with the Sergeant Major of the Army and, and the, you know, Freedom Foundation. So he was the, the original patriarch of brought us all together on 9-11 in 2018, of all things, uh, and said, hey, wow. let's do this. And so we all kind of came together. Michael McCoy, uh, Aaron, myself, and Ted Hacker have kind of kept that momentum going forward. Uh, so the veteran space is being heard now a lot more. We've got Bunker Labs here, which is Bunker Labs is a huge entrepreneurial. Yeah. And the, 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 yeah, the, the CEO of Bunker Labs is right in Nashville. Uh, and he's a very big proponent of, hey, so you don't want to go to work corporate, but you have a great idea. Let's let's nurture that and grow it in an incubator. Um, and I love everything that he's even doing in that space. So the veteran professional capabilities is really growing um, in a lot of different, very positive ways. And that's that's another good part of it. Right. In the heart of Nashville, you have such a, a powerhouse of agencies willing to help. Uh, and grow things. And then you've got Eden Murray, retired general, Air Force general, this leading operation stand down, uh, which is another great organization. Um, and that's where we've been held, holding most of our LinkedIn Music City events. So there are some powerhouses that are doing some great things here and it's all collaboration, you know, so. So you mentioned entrepreneurship. Um, if somebody is wanting to start a business, become an entrepreneur, now is your chance to kind of like pitch them on Tennessee. Why, why come to Tennessee to start my business over any other place? A lot of, a big place to go is Texas, Florida, you know, um, why come to Tennessee, that part of the South and, and, and take that leap? You know, the, the biggest thing that I just, I had found out about probably about six months ago Tennessee has the lowest business taxes and most business friendly state in the nation, which is kind of a, a message again, that not a lot of people get out, right? They always say, go to Texas, go to Florida. But as far as at the end of the day, it's all those residual costs of having a business and operating and living in those other areas. Doesn't mean it's less friendly. It just means we're more friendly than those other areas. If you have ties to those areas, that's great. But if you're thinking big picture, 
I need to make and save more money for me and my family. And if I can do that in Tennessee and be a Dean Wagner with, uh, you know, uh, the authentically American brand or Black Rifle Coffee or and I can move my business there or launch a business, then by all means, come to Tennessee. Like you're the, that's the big part about, I think, Tennessee, that's a bigger takeaway. There's so many residual costs that nobody thinks about. You know, how much does it cost for a house? How much does it cost to own that house, pay for that house, sustain that house? Uh, but then if I own a business, what does that look like? What does that cost me? All these different tangible events, right? And then the other big part, yeah. which my wife hits home a lot, is the average temperature in Tennessee year round is 89 degrees. And so that means, you know, we might get a cold snap for about, a you know, a month and a half to two months. Uh, but we can still go outside and play damn near 10 months out of the year, right? So my wife always says, so if we were back in Iowa, you know, where it's got eight of the top coldest cities in the United States, like, you know, snow possibly on Halloween or Easter, like she's like, this does, this feels much better, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. When we lived in Colorado, we got snow in September and my kids were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> because they're so used to living in Oklahoma where right. it could be 95 degrees on Halloween. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. or it could be cold. Like this year it was a little chilly on Halloween, but that's not every year. Um, but we had snow on like the fifth of like right after uh, Labor Day wow. in, in Colorado Springs. And it was snowing. And we're talking like four inches, not like a little dusting. We're yeah. Like four inches of snow. <laughs> And they were like, this is weird. And it, it snowed from there all the way through, I think, the first week of April. So it was like six, seven months out of the year, snow and cold, yeah. you know, and there was a little bit of a little bit of sun over the summer, you know. So obviously weather is a great thing. You know, I hate the wind here in Oklahoma, but, yeah, you know, it's home. So, you know, we call it home. But so we talk about entrepreneurs, obviously bunker labs is there in, in Tennessee. And that's a really big deal. If you're wanting to be um, a veteran entrepreneur, but why do you think there's a boom in military veterans becoming entrepreneurs right now? Well, I think, you know, the, the climate was always right for it. Right. So being an entrepreneur has never gained more publicity without the inception of social media. So the minute that social media or what they call internet money kind of hit the ground, everybody now can create at their own pathway. And because there's so many demonstrations of that, whether you're using Instagram, you know, Twitter or Facebook, um, you, every day you see that there's a capability to uh, do something different, right? And so veterans now are coming out with, with way more resources than we used to. You know, before, you know, like during the, the FedEx and the USAA days when they come out, it the amount of resources weren't there to support it. It was just, you know, you had to be very regimented and it was really a, a very small amount that actually had the, the physical capital and the resources to launch like a FedEx or a Zappos or, you know, Walmart or USAA. Mm -hmm. um, and so now with the with the increased exposure of what social media brings to light, everybody can do something, right? And so veterans are saying, I don't necessarily need to be on the manufacturing floor. I want to do this and I want to create this. I have degrees and certifications. I want to create my own consulting pathway. Um, or, I mean, you wouldn't believe, you know, the, the past two, three years of the amount of veterans that have started their own marketing firms, their consulting firms, their, you know, their own path, writing books. Uh, I mean, it's just, the resources now are there where you've, you've never had a better opportunity 
to say, you know what? I'm going to put pause. I've been given some great skills. I am resilient. I have, you know, we're, we'll dig into regulations in a heartbeat to tell something. Uh, now is a time where I think I'm going to do this. And if you're retired, you have that disposable income where you can say, you know what? I think I'm going to pursue this piece of the passion that that might be a little bit better. We might have a little bit of a hiccup, but at least I know I'm safe because we have a pension and maybe, maybe you know, VA disability as well. And the VA even talks about franchising and, and funding. You know, it's just never been a perfect time to do that than now. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and it's, you know, no longer do you have to, um, you know, put the suit on and go into corporate America, have your resume, you know, polished and squeaky clean. Um, those are good things. And if that's the route you want to go, that's fine. But if the door has opened up and like, you know, you look at coffee, coffee is like one of the most traded commodities in the entire world. I mean, it's a global thing. And, you know, Black Rifle Coffee is obviously huge and they're getting ready to go public. Um, and that's a that's a big deal. That's yeah. a really big deal. But, you know, you can you can just Google better in coffee companies and it comes it's up a lot. with a list. Uh, more than a dozen of them. I mean, pages of them. Yeah. And you, you think, well, in, in a space like that, wouldn't it get convoluted and, and, and competition starts really causing problems? But it doesn't. I, right. I, I talked to, you know, the owners of Call Sign Coffee Company, and they were just really great people. Like, Jeff, we support the podcast. We really like what you're doing. Um, we'd like to help out a raffle. Can we give you a discount code? I mean, they owe me absolutely nothing. But because they're a veteran and a, and a military spouse founded, um, and I'm a veteran, and they just had those connections, they work. You know, let's give you a discount code. You can promote the heck out of it. It gain you some more followers. It gives us more business. It's a it's a collaboration, and I think those those doors have never been open like you said, like they are today. Plus, I think we're finally getting to the understanding of as veterans nobody's going to help us better than ourselves. Absolutely. You know, um, not to knock corporate America or anybody else out there with a good heart, you know, for veterans, but nobody knows us like us. Right. And if we got to reach across the aisle, we got to reach back and say, Hey man, come up here, you know, and that's what making these connections are about. You know, I know you now, if I know, if I know somebody in need, I know who to send them to, you know, you want to, you want to get started in a, an entrepreneurship. You got to look at the state of Tennessee if you're willing to move. And I know just the guy that's, that changes a life. It that absolutely does something does. that, you know, nothing could ever do before. And I think that's, um, very important. So now that you're you're in the seat, you're a director of services for Tennessee for all the veterans stuff. Um, what's what's on the horizon? What's in the future? What's what's the big plans? Man, that's a good. We got a lot of good things in plan. So one of the biggest things that I saw was there is you know eleven thousand transitioning veterans from Virginia. There's eight thousand transitioning veterans in North Carolina. There is right around 6,900 or almost 7,000 veterans in Georgia transitioning out. There wow. is, you know, like you said, a multiple amount of coffee companies. Um, the potential to attract that talent has never been greater now. So what's on our horizon big time for us, for the state of Tennessee, honestly, is, is brand awareness of Tennessee itself. Right. So we've got to do a good job of talking about everything that Tennessee has. So that's the immediate piece is the recognition of 
the state of Tennessee for veterans. So we're working on that messaging right now. How do we, in East Tennessee, we've got Kodak Eastman, which is one of the largest manufacturers in that area. How do we talk to them about reaching out to veterans and having conversations? Um, the other big thing that we're working on right now is having all of our levers, which is our business to bu business to business B2B development uh, for, for companies is how do we enroll every company in Tennessee into DOD SkillBridge? Because if a company is listed in DOD SkillBridge and we can make the whole state a representative of that, then that means an Air Force guy in Okinawa, Japan can now have a pathway into Tennessee and, and because he's going to see a company register on it. So the, the big two focal points right now on ours is the recruiting message to talk about Tennessee, all the benefits that we have available. Um, and then how we can possibly change some of those benefits to accompany a larger population so that you're not just a hundred percent, but then also how do we get every company enrolled in the DOD skill bridge? And that's, those are my immediate targets that we're trying to change right now. Um, and then continue to foster that climate, you know, grow LinkedIn music city, even bigger. Um, a DOD skill bridge is. It's such a big deal. It's not the only option. There are a lot of similar options out there, but DOD skill bridges is a big deal. It's much different than um, it's been around for a while, but it's not what it used to be. Um, right. It is something really big today. I mean, you get that six months of, of still being on the payroll for the government, you know, you're right. still in the military, but you're working in corporate. That's that transition that was missing to me. And you talked about, you know, it is. Um, You've got that assignment. This is your assignment. This is your mission for the next six months is to move over to the corporate. There's no guarantee of a job or anything like that. But look at what you get out of it. You're going to meet people. You're going to build some skills. You're going to adjust. Um, maybe not fully, but you're going to start adjusting at least. You're going to settle in. You're going to talk to people that have already been in corporate and, and are, have been in that space. It's going to open up doors. A lot of people do get offered jobs. A lot of people do. Absolutely. Um, sometimes it requires them to move again, but you look what you got in the door and this company knows you, you know them, you, there's a lot of benefits to it. And there's a lot of other programs out there. I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but, um, you know, DOD skill bridges is huge. And they didn't have, I think they had TOD skill bridge when I retired, but I think it was more of one of those things like, your commander's got to let you go for six months early. Like you got to back up the date. It's not, you don't stay on the books. You got to leave. Um, right. It was a lot harder to do. So I think a lot of people brushed it off, but I think of recent legislation that has passed. Um, Skillbridge has changed in the way it's looked at by both military commanders and leadership and by corporate America. And it's the ultimate recruiting tool. If all three parties involved use it, you know, to their advantage and use it for the right purpose. And I think it's a really big deal. And um, I'm glad to hear to say that Tennessee is embracing that because um, I've talked to companies and to recruiters and other people and even other veterans and said, you need to look at DOD Skillbridge. And they said, what's that? Like, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and you don't know about it. There's a, that's, there's a problem there because if you're hiring, that's your, that's your ticket. You can get, like free workers for six months, that's a, that's an evaluation period. You know, you could place them somewhere within your company. And what did it cost you right. for the veteran? You get six months of adjusting to the outside. 
you get to get your feet wet, decide if you like it or not, but you know, it's only for six months. If you don't like it, you can walk away from it. And then for the military, you know, maybe they have the only downside because they got to let somebody go six months earlier, but are we lowering the suicide numbers? Are we helping our members transition? Cause when I retired, <laughs> once I walked out the door, I didn't hear from them again. Yeah, absolutely. You're on your own, you know, yeah, you're absolutely on your own. So Skillbridge is huge. And the fact that Tennessee's trying to get everybody signed up for that is it, one thing. It's a massive accomplishment and a huge undertaking. And I commend you guys for doing it, but I think it's going to pay dividends down the road for so many people because Tennessee will be the state to go to. And with it being right there, kind of the, the top of the Southern, you know, area of the country, you know, I think that's huge because a lot of people, you can go up to Tennessee, you can, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and all those are right there. Right. Well, and you know, one of the other things that you had, you had hit home on, you said, what makes Tennessee, you know, the best place it's, it's been a large, uh, it was been a, a, it wasn't been a secret in, in corporate arenas, but Tennessee is actually a Mecca for logistics. Um, And what I mean by that is, it's the reason why every logistical operation is hubbed in Tennessee is because it's bordered by eight states. And so it can reach over 78% of the entire U.S. population within a one-day drive. So from a logistical standpoint, industry relocated here all because of the geographical location. And so once industry started moving in, then the the next byproduct was, uh, you know, workforce challenges. And so, when we started talking about, and it, so as soon as I hit the ground running, I started doing with the commissioner was his listening tours across Tennessee. I wanted to be able to go out there. And when I talked to him about, hey, do we know about the DOD skill bridge? Every company and their mom had, I would hear two things. How do we sign up? And it's too good to be true. What do you mean I get that guy free for six months? And and so just trying to close that <laughs> knowledge gap with the industry has been a, a huge undertaking. Um and then the other part of it is hopefully, you know, veterans don't draw the unemployment aspect and can go right to work a little bit easier. And that was the intent behind DOD Skill Bridge. So. Well, the other challenge I'm sure you're going to face if you're not facing it already, uh, you know, with your other director colleagues in, in Tennessee government is, you know, when you when you try to bring people in and hire people, they have to eat, sleep, live, play, all those things. So. It's a domino effect. If we bring tons of veterans in, you got to be building homes, got to be building apartments, condos, places to live, parks, schools, and all that. It's a it's a massive undertaking. More than just saying we're going to hire veterans, we're going to get everybody in Skillbridge. They got to have homes because those are big factors. And like we discussed earlier, you know, when we're getting out, we're thinking of the next paycheck, survivability, taking care of families. Where's my next meal come from? I'm not sleeping on a cot anymore. I'm sleeping in a house. You know, right. those are those are real concerns for uh, for folks, and th- that's another issue. And I don't know how much you've dealt with it, but um, I'm sure that is that is part of the undertaking. It is. And so what we have talked about that. So I, as a part of the role, I also work with all the chambers of commerce and the economic development councils in regions in Tennessee. And one of them, we started as a pilot together in Lewisburg, Tennessee with Greg Lowe. He's the the chairman of the EDC in, in, in that area, Lewisburg, Tennessee, which is where black rifle coffee and, and um, you know, Jack Daniels and stuff is at and uncle nearest. 
And so what we came up with an idea was let's try this pilot program where he got the chamber to contribute. And so what they did was they rented buses, paid for hotels, paid for food. They went up to Fort Campbell, grabbed 50 families. So if you were a transitioning soldier and now we, we can, we're going to talk to you and your spouse with your kids. If you have them, we're going to bust them all the way back down to Lewisburg, Tennessee. And we're going to, we're going to address two different issues. One is the soldiers. So we're going to have companies sign up, ready to do a hiring event for them. Um, when I mean they rolled out the red carpet, and this is now going to be the pilot across the state um, with all these different de- 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 you know, economic development councils. Uh, they took the spouses and the families and said, hey, we're going to provide daycare. We're going to take the spouses to talk to the realtors in the area so they can see neighborhoods. We're going to have the spouse do another briefing with the, with the uh, education, you know, the high schools, the, the educational director in the area. And we're also going to have the parks and recreation do a briefing for the families as well, right? So it's going to be a two-pronged approach, but it's going to be fully funded by those local areas. They're going to come to Fort Campbell or go to Millington Naval Base and bus 50 families to bring them to their communities and say, hey, this is our, this is what we have to offer you. Houses, jobs, education, school, everything. Would you like to come here, Right. Um, and that event was wildly successful, and it's it's taking off now so much so. Uh, as again, it goes back to companies saying, "Hey, I would like to be a part of the DoD Skill Bridge." Another part of that closing that gap was saying, "Hey, this is what you need to do. It's not just getting the veteran there. They need to know they have a house. Their spouse needs to know they have good schools. The spouse needs to know that they have health care. All these things. So, putting them together in those areas and packaging it." And they're getting ready to do their next one in the spring of 22. Um, but all the other EDCs in Tennessee now have opened that up as a possibility. So what I'm hoping that now you see, you know, 500 being transported to these areas and shown their, their communities for their next possible transition. And, and that you're right. The, the spouses look at things totally different. And we need to address that, you know, show them that there's houses yep. that's affordable, not just, you know, and then show them the cost of living in those areas. And, and we're packaging it just right to look at all of the ways that we can solve because yeah. they didn't know what we were thinking either. And they were just saying, I just want to hire him. But but the the, the boss is looking for different ways. Right. Uh, and they're going to make their 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 concerns addressed one way or another. And we've got to do a great job of selling that potential capabilities and a bigger, broader message. Um, so, yeah, you're I like how um, you. uh you said selling it, but I feel like it's more so reaching across the aisle and bridging the gap. You yeah. know, um, I don't think you're really going to have to sell Tennessee to anybody because of the efforts you're putting in and the investment you're making. You know, when you, when you invest in people, you can get a different outcome. You certainly can. Then you don't have to sell them on anything. You don't have to tell them squat about Tennessee. You can see it right in front of your eyes. We're rolling out the red carpet for you because we want you. You got questions about parks and schools? Booth right over there. Healthcare? Booth right over there. We got experts, all these people who want to give back to the community. Well, here's your chance, you know, and and you can make an event that's more so, you know, a, a formal thing where everybody feels all stuffy. It's a, you know, it's an investment in the community. And I think, that community building is going to pay dividends. It's going to be an awesome thing. And I think that's such a cool idea. I've never really heard of any place doing something like that. Um, you know, the chambers always want to get involved. Um, I, but, you know, you're right. You're addressing the question of how do we do that? Because they think right. they know how to do it or have an idea, but it, 
And when it doesn't work, they go, oh, what now? Well, get in. Let's, let's talk. We got to have those discussions at the boardroom table and, and find a way of bridging the gap and, and making it work. And it's cool that you guys did that pilot program and now it's going on. Um, but when is the next one and where can people go to get that info? So they could, one of the easiest things would be if they're interested in it is you could obviously reach out to me directly as well, right? So eric.horton at tn.gov, that's that's the daytime job piece. If you wanted to talk with me about LinkedIn afterwards, I'm trying to be basically a concierge for every veteran that wants to know about Tennessee. Um, and while it seems like it's a little bit out, out overwhelming, um, it's not. Um, I have 65 other people that are helping me with this process, right? Um, and and so that's one avenue is to reach out, you know, using the state. Uh, it's also if you wanted to reach out to me on LinkedIn, I'd be more than happy to to connect you in the right areas. Because while I'm in Nashville, I have all the resources in Chattanooga or Memphis. Uh, and we're really doing some really good things. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And does Tennessee have a... Uh veterans website or anything they do so we're and we're working on revamping that right now too actually as a matter of fact so they can go to tn.gov forward slash veterans uh and that also is going to be where you can look at jobs where you can look at we even have the thing now where it's directly linked in through um the the google mos search where you type your mos it's going to directly link you with jobs that are available and you pick up pick a spot so tn.gov forward slash veterans is is another big hub uh, and then when you, if you got any questions outside of that, then just play around with that website. But we're looking to revamp that as well. So you don't have to go to tn.gov veteran. You can maybe find another different landing page with it, but absolutely. Awesome. Well, Eric, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to stop recording here in a minute, but don't hang up because I got something I want to ask you offline, but it okay. was a pleasure. Uh, if you need to find Eric Horton, you can find him on LinkedIn. Eric Horton, the transition hacker on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, you can go to you know Tennessee's website, tn.gov, uh, and check him out or email him directly if that email address he dropped. Um, and, and check out Tennessee uh, and what Eric's doing. I'm a big advocate of his and what he's doing. And obviously, he's got Tennessee on his side, and that's a lot of firepower. So uh, Eric is a pleasure, man. Uh, thanks again, and I'm just glad to have you on. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate all your support, too. That's all we have today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Remember to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on, and check out jeffclarkofficial.com for more. And remember, always forward.